Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and t-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. You are listening to Achten Millwall. Broadcasting Special, a public service broadcast made on behalf of the Real Mill Fan Show and Achtung Millwall, broadcasting from South Bermondsey. Huge welcome to another of our special editions, our special um, wartime editions. Uh, welcome to Achtung Millwall. My name is Nick Hart, and today's guest on today's show is one of my favourite contributors, Mr. Ryan Loftus. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Good evening, Nick. How are you doing? You well? I'm good, but you sound exhausted. You've been been working today, I take it. Yeah, working from home for the last week or so. It's a bit of an adjustment, but yeah, I think we're all having to do it. We live in odd times, but um, it's nice to hear some nice comments about the shows we've been putting out. And um, well, well, you know, thank you for coming on today to talk about your favourite season. Which was an odd one because I we were just saying off air that you would have been quite young for this this season, Ryan. You've chosen the two thousand three four season. How old would you have been at that time, mate? Yeah. So I would have. I was seven, and I turned eight um, around right. April. So towards the end of the season. So I was eight by the time we got to the cup final. But okay. yeah, it's just a, a a season that stands out. It's not super vivid. The FA Cup run is, but the rest of the season, I, I, we found that video online, which luckily jogged a bit of the memory. But, uh, but I think the, the, there was a couple of points in the season that just really stood out. And it was when I first really got into being a Millwall fan, like being, defining my identity and, you know, and it kind of started my love affair with the club, really. It's funny. Um, I mean, this, this is a, we've said a few times doing these shows that a lot of, um, Football was bound up with the personal, you know. Um, I, my, I at the time that this season took hold, I was living over in Wandsworth, so my my stepson, so to speak, my partner's son at the time, I started taking him to Millwall, and this was like um, this was a season that we went together. So, you know, the it, the, the cup run particular, I remember taking James to the final um, in Cardiff and and the and the semi final up there in um, Manchester. But it's it's interesting to look back because you these moments live in your mind and they become 
personalised. It's the people you go with, isn't it? And it's the it's the kind of illuminating memories of these these moments that stand out. Um, they, they, you, you kind of take them with you yeah. forever in, in in many ways. It's um, you know, you, you can take this stuff, kind of stuff. Maybe that's what people are missing at the moment in the in in the current coronavirus um, you know shutdown that we're all. Yeah, yeah, I think we're living in a nostalgia you hotbed know. at the moment. I think with all football off as we well, are. people can only people can only look back. So it's nice to reminisce about these times. Yeah, well, I've been doing a bit of a splurge of it, recording these shows, and this I'm, I'm actually going to take a bit of a break from it after this one. Um, this will be the last re- recording for this week at least. I'm going to give myself a couple of days. I'm nostalgic out at the moment. I, I can't keep I can't keep looking back. You've got to look forward at some stage, and uh, all I'm doing is looking back at a uh, classic this and, cla- and disastrous that. But this was an interesting season. Um, I've looked at the video. It's a great video online, about an hour and seven minutes, I think it was, on YouTube. It's under yeah. uh, Millwall, Millwall 0304. Um, and it's interesting to look back at these times. It's actually quite a long while ago now. It's uh, 2003 is, what, 15, uh, 17 years ago, uh, yeah. 16 to 17 years ago. Long time, and it doesn't seem that long ago. Yeah. And the the uh, the images on YouTube make it seem so fresh and vivid, like it's only yesterday. It's, um, you know, it kind of sends the, the, the hairs up on the back of your neck at times. But what I found interesting, Ryan, I don't know how you read it and, and saw it again after all these years. The the kind of opening phase of the season, the 2003 part, was actually um, indifferent in some ways. You know, there was the sacking of Mark McGee, obviously. It was probably the standout event. But, you know, we were, we were winning and losing and mid-table by about Christmas. And there was... Nothing, no great shakes, you know, nothing really standing out in the first part of the season that, that struck me. Yeah, it was, yeah, pretty run of the mill. Obviously, I think started okay with well, draws and wins early on the table kind of shift, but yeah, it was pretty much like a regular mill season and uh, yeah. not much going on. And then it all kind of kicks off. It was funny when I was looking through that, um, watching that video, just the number of things that came up over the course of it that are just the same problems we have now. It really made me laugh of, you know, nothing not, changes, not mate. <laughs> points against the East, not picking up points against the bad teams, not quite scoring enough goals, even though we dominate games, struggling on the road. I think it took us ages to get our first away win. It didn't come much later yeah. in the season until um, Dennis Wise took over. And it's just funny how we all seem to have perpetual problems, regardless of who's in charge or what era it is. It's but, been um, like that for forty years for me. I mean, it, it doesn't. It'll be the, <laughs> the next. Welcome to the next forty years of your life. Presuming that football does come back at some stage, um, it yeah. is interesting. Um, everything changes and nothing changes. I think is the uh, is the expression, isn't it? It's um, you know, you, you're right. We we go around the same same kind of circles. Um, I suppose the standout results from the first half of the season, which we can probably whiz through reasonably quickly really i mean there's a, a draw at home to palace um a late goal from uh bob peters do you remember bob peters in in, in back from from your youth can you remember seeing him ryan Big, um, tall i Belgian don't remember bloke. i think <laughs> I, I, I remember of him i remember of him but what what confused me i think this year particularly is that we brought danny dicchio in shortly we, after yeah. the second half of the season and he did really well and i was a big dicchio fan and i think in my my young age i struggled to distinguish between dicchio and peters they were just the two massive ball blokes who kept occasionally headed in a football for Millwall. The um, easy way to the easy way to remember it was that Bob Peters was utter shit, uh, and yet he scored some decent goals. This is what struck me watching that video because you erased this in my mind. I had had him in a pigeonhole that he was useless. You know, he was a big bloke, but you know, um, 
powder puff light. But he did get some decent goals actually early in the season. He went to um, yeah. we we got beat at Gillingham in a free. I mean, it was a poor loss down there. I think I probably did yeah. for uh, I think lost, did, lost home and away against Gillingham in the season. Yeah, they were one of those clubs. So we've mentioned Wickham. Yeah, we've mentioned. Oxford as well, another team. I just saw there one of the early games of the season, League Cup. We always seem to struggle against Oxford. I don't know why. But um, Bob Peters, um, Dickio, you could tell the difference because Dickio was dangerous and powerful and put the ball in the net, and Bob Peters didn't. That's the main way that I could tell yeah. the difference be- between the two players. I mean, my, my, my notes to myself watching the video, and it's, in, it's illuminating watching it again, but I've written a couple of questions to myself. One was, how good was Tim Cahill? He was immense in midfield. His ability to hang in the air basketball style was incredible. Um, and yeah. we, we, gave, we gave him the service to, to make the most of, of his talents. Yeah, and I think what, what often gets kind of not forgotten about Tim Cahill, because everyone I think at Millwall obviously knows how good he is, but especially when you watch old highlights back, like he scored some really good goals for Millwall, but he was a lot more than that as well. Absolutely. Like, I think that was that was so much of it, the fact that he got so many goals while doing so much. And you, you can see so many times in, in highlights and things like that when you're watching him, especially this season, where he's just a class above, really. Like he you can see like how when he takes the shirt off as well, how much physically fitter he is than a lot of the yeah, players seem to yeah. be. The shape yeah. is the ability and vision he has on the ball gets quite a few assists as well this season. And you can see he's he is a player that's destined for big things and uh, for the I top flight, yeah, yeah, I think so. It's just so impressive to watch him. We we, we clung on to him for as long as we could, um, and this was this was you know this was a season where for me he really stood out. But one other player that I also want to name check. There's a, a few good um, you know standout performances, but I also want to name check Paul Ifill because um, what I'd give to have Paul Ifill in our team right now, Ryan. Um, he was a yeah. dangerous, inventive, dangerous winger that would try and perform tricks with the ball and pull stuff off. And he had a shot on him, and he was just uh, dynamite on the wing. Um, yeah, he's, he was fantastic. He was everything Conor Mahoney should be. Um, and <laughs> I feel was it. I, 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 I've forgotten how much I love to watch Paul Life. I was watching this video. It's well worth a look, listeners, if you want to go on YouTube. It's, it's well worth a look because you'll see I feel and Cahill in their absolute pomp. Um, yeah, I definitely, I definitely thought the same, to be fair with I feel. I think he was one of my favourite players at the time, um, especially when I was younger. I had a couple of his posters like from the programme up on my wall. Yeah, definitely some favourite ones. He was just, um, yeah, you, like you say, you watch these highlights back and you do forget how good he was. Like, just uh, the game, was it the game against West Ham, the one-all draw out of Upton Park, where he yeah. he just yeah. seemed to kind of run it. He he had a decent effort and hit the bar. Really, like, called David James a lot of problems, saying it's a game we should have won. But, he, uh, yeah, he, he was just such a good player for Millwall. And, uh, like you say, I think he had an operation, didn't he, when he was younger, lost a bit of pace from it. And you could imagine how frightening yeah. he'd be if he had this full kind of pace without injury problems. Yeah, yeah and, and, and a different beast. Really. It was a similar tone. I mean, this was Neil Harris at this time had come back from um, treatment from cancer and would have played his way back the previous season into the team, but he wasn't firing on all cylinders. Um, and it's quite, I think his first goal from open play was against Coventry, which uh, was some way into the season before he actually scored from open play. He got a couple of penalties. But, um, you know, in, like you just said with Michael, when he when he lost that touch of sharpness and pace later on in his career, um, I would love I would love for anyone of, of uh, you know, of the modern generation to have seen Neil Harris in his pomp when he was, 
uh, the sharpest finisher I think um, I've seen in a Mill shirt. Sheringham had different qualities, but Harris in his in his day was a very very sharp and dangerous forward. Um, but he was struggling uh, at the start of the 2003 season, and I don't think he ever really 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 switched on that whole that whole year. But we did have other players that that made up for it. Um, so yeah, indifferent. I mean, the sacking of Mark McGee was a standout event of. Uh, of the first half of the season, um, which came after a particularly poor show against Preston. I think he changed formation. I think if you look on the the history site, I think it's four four two all the way because that's how we all play, Ryan. We play four four two, mate. I don't know if you you know I, if you're aware of that. <laughs> but, uh, there was one game where he switched to five three two. This the the kind of I suppose it'd be a Gary Rower esque style, and it it didn't work. That was that was actually how, how was that received at the time? I don't I don't obviously remember him being sat too well. So it was mutual consent as well, wasn't it? How was it? Because he'd done yeah. well. He got booed. No, I mean, the Preston game was a 1-0 loss. It was a poor show. Um, we, we, it was an indifferent start to the season. We, we were winning some, losing a few, getting a few draws, nothing great you know, going on. And I think the fans were becoming fractious with, with McGee. We'd had a good run. He got us promoted from the third tier. Uh, we had a decent season the, pr- the previous year, 2002-03. But, of course, we, it also taken us close to the, the promised land uh, the first season in the, in, the, in the championship at 2001 So We went close to the playoffs. Um, but I think the, the the relationship had cooled by this stage and certainly against Preston getting booed. It wasn't Holloway levels of abuse. There was no great... Um, <laughs> there was no great venom. Uh, I think it was just like, um, it's like, you know, you finish with a girlfriend and it's no longer working and it's time to go. And I think that that was how it was um, with, with uh, Mark McGee. But we got beat against Preston and he changed the formation on the night. Totally different. He hadn't played five for two at all. And I just think there was a sense that, that now was, that was the time to go. Um, but that led to the arrival of um, Ray Wilkins and Dennis Wise initially as on a temporary basis and then Theopathetis made it a, a permanent thing because it seemed to be working and you know the excitement levels builded built from from Christmas onwards really. Um wise as a player I liked because he was diabolic. He was a, he reminded me a bit like um you see uh, the likes of Diego Costa who was Chelsea for a while wasn't he but uh, athletic I mean, yeah. he, they were kind of stage villains, and Wise was a stage villain on the on the pitch. Um, he was player managing still at this at this point, and I just loved his ability to work a free kick, to fall over, to draw a, a booking for a player. Um, it was it was wonderful. Neil Harris learned a lot from him actually, because yeah. Neil Harris became that kind of player. He learned from the master. Dennis Wise was the master of the dark arts of football. Yeah, in my, definitely. In my opinion, I think it was it was good having Wise in as manager to be fair because like like you say I used to love him as a as a centre mid he was so typical of Millwall really at, especially at the time and uh, it was interesting like getting Ray Wilkins in alongside him as assistant was just such a stroke of genius to have that, yeah. that such that experience for Wise who's like stepping up from being a, a player to a manager and uh, yeah have that experience next to him I think in his one of his first games I think Wise brought himself on and got sent off in a yeah. <laughs> in a win against Sheffield United, a game we won two 0 but ended up with nine men. Nine men is, on the know, pitch. I remember that. He's game. making an impact as a manager and a player in the same game, which is, you know, you couldn't really expect any more. Then suspended for the next three games. But like you say, I think the experience that Wise had and the the career kind of he'd had before the time he got to Millwall really, you can see the kind of players in the dressing room that he was with. He did 
give them a lot. And like you say, Harris especially. I think yeah. that was a good learning period for him. And Wilkins. Made... Wilkins, I mean, Wise is Wise has played for England, um, played for Chelsea and, and obviously the Wimbledon um, team that uh, that won the, the FA Cup. But Wilkins was a vastly experienced player and in, in management, he'd, he'd been around the track a lot. Um, he'd come from Chelsea in, in the 70s and went on to Manchester United and played in Italy. So it's funny, you know, it's not until you look back and doing... I haven't done many notes, listeners, for this show. I apologise to Ryan for that before we came on air, but um, I'm I'm slightly blagging this. But it's actually striking when you look back at the the sheer amount of the range of experience those two men brought to Millwall, because we're not known for our, our the depth of our international experience. That you know, playing then in um, in Italy was an unusual thing to come to Bermondsey, yeah. and um, we thought it was, took it for granted. It was, it was really interesting for Millwall at the time as well, because obviously it lined up with what happened later in the season and kind of getting national kind of recognition for getting to the FA Cup final. But to have those two at the helm while we did it as well, they weren't small names. Like they were well known no. in England, big no. names that people knew. And like you say, that's not common at Millwall where we have people who are of that kind of level. And uh, to have them leading us to an FA Cup final on that stage is kind of a fitting of them. Yeah, I mean, the other note I've made to myself as well, um, I love Tony Warner and goal, but he was very vulnerable to long distance shots. Certainly in the video that I watched earlier, I'd forgotten. Um, he, you know, he, he could make some great saves, but he, he conceded some, <laughs> some some efforts. There was, there was a mistake in Tony that, um, I mean, you forgive him because he's such a character. But um, just looking at the teams here, I mean, Warner was the first choice goalkeeper for the bulk of the season, certainly till 2004. Then Andy Marshall, I think he was injured. I, I, think, he, I think he was out for the yeah. season. Um, and that was that was that. And then Willie Garay came in, but afterwards it was Marshall. We did a sterling job for us in goal. Um, but Warner, Warner was, um, you know, Warner was a real character in goal. Uh, and I, I, I liked him, but there was, there was always a sense of um, self-combustion about him at, at, at times, I think. He made, he made a, a last-minute penalty save and a win at Palace. That was it. That was, what I was, that was the note I yeah. made myself in. A one I did, win like, at, at that time. Tony Warner kind of like it typifies it where there was so many, I think for me, especially when I, when I was younger watching this season, there were so many players in that team who were just characters and they were so, like, I don't know if it's just because of my age at the time or how they kind of stand up now, but like you had Warner, you had like yeah. Matt Lawrence, Darren Ward, Paul Eiffel, Tim Cahill, obviously Neil Harris in it, Wisey. You had all these players through the team. That, yeah. um, it would be Ryan for me for, to an extent of like players that you look back at now and be like, oh, like they're just synonymous with the club, kind of. Absolutely, they were, they, I mean, Ryan was a character, um, and even the you know his post Mill career. I mean, he really did go from marking Cristiano Ronaldo in the in the in the FA Cup final. He had a season, I think, at Bristol Rovers and finished up at Welling, Welling United, and then I think finished up working on the, the London Underground. Well, I think he still is yeah, now as a, as a as a fitter, you know. Um, Players don't make those kinds of journeys. <laughs> that seems to in the modern game, do they? Um, but that's yeah. what he did. Imagine a second second tier football player now. <laughs> working from the underground, you know, and fair play to him for doing it. Um, Kevin Musket, I mean, I, I, we've mentioned yeah, him a few course. times in various shows what a character he was. Uh, what a great fallback. I mean, they had a screw loose, obviously. Um, so there was there was always a a, a danger of, of lunacy with Kevin Musket, but um, it was a great, great right back. And we really missed him, actually, 
because he got injured, didn't he, um, in the semi-final against Sunderland. And, um, you know, I, 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 I often, in my quiet moments, wonder what might have happened if we'd have kept Musket fit for the cup final. And um, I oh, well, think... I was- I was looking Dickie before the Dickie, I was injured as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's I think before 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 we start recording, I was looking. I think on the Wikipedia page it said we had 16 players missing for the cup final. Yeah, we did. And yeah, we were understrength. Like yeah, to obviously to be coming in massive underdogs anyway. Like it's not going to be super likely that we'd ever beat United, especially at the time with the team. No, had, but to have no. that many players missing, it's so unfortunate. And like like you say, key players. If you'd have had um, a couple other options. Then, uh... um, Dickio was injured, and I mean you're right. I mean we had, we had a lot out for the final. Um, you know, often people, a lot of people say that we're, we're leaping around a little bit, but um, hey, you know it's, it's our show. We can leap where we want to. Um, but a lot of people say, oh, the cup final, it was it was a day out, and we all, you know, we took our fan. It's just a day out. Not for me, it wasn't. I I I I, I went there wanting us to win the fucking thing. I wanted us to, it would have been the ultimate, I would have beaten anything that Wimbledon did in, in the 80s because of that reason, the fact that we were having to start with um, uh, players, you know, that, that it was it was a makeshift 11 in the end. Not a bad 11 still, but, you know, we were up against the world-class um, side in Manchester United, but we've got Mark McCammon on the bench and Barry Cogan and Curtis Weston, you know, this, this Adam Dunn's on the bench, yeah. you know, the, it was the measure of the of, of the uneven, um, you know, you're, you're playing Manchester United with Ruud van Nistelrooy, Roy Keane, um, players of that ilk in, you oh, know, no. well, yeah, Cristiano. Um, and we didn't do a bad job in the final. I mean, we got to, I remember my, my uh, James, yeah. my, my, my partner's son, I'd always remember this moment. We got to about 40 odd minutes in the game. It was nil nil. And I remember turning to him and saying, I'll tell you what, James, if we can get through to half time, we've got half a chance here. You know, second half, anything is possible in the second half. And then, bang, Ronaldo scored. And that was that. <laughs> that was the end of the dream, realistically. But but we're, yeah. we're leaping leaping ahead here, Ryan. Um, yeah, we'll come back to that. We'll come sure. back to that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, Christmas time um, in the league, certainly, we are... At mid-table, tenth, uh, I think, at, uh, at Christmas time. But the the season really takes hold. I think, I think you'd agree with the the, the new year, two thousand four, and then the, the start of the cup run. But there was no telling that in the third round when we played Walsall, two-one home win, which um, we hauled ourselves back into the game. The towel put them yeah. ahead, and then we we okay. rare Kevin Braniff goals. You remember Kevin Braniff? Are, are you did he escape um, your youthful? Um, the name attention? I remember, but I couldn't have told you anything about. It. I looked him up actually while I was researching it. And he went on to he seemed like a typical middle youngster who then went on to play non league and then kind of drop out. He faded away. Um, shame. I mean, he had his moments and he scored that goal. Got us. It's, you know, it's, it's interesting to think that, but for Braniff's equaliser, who, know who knows what we've had that season. But that was the third round yeah. and we beat Walsall. Um, that was uh, 4th of January, so the new year was upon us. And then we got a fairly decent um, little league run, actually. We got wins, a uh, yeah. draw away at Wigan, beat Sunderland at home, 2-1, Dickio. Two goals, two goals again the following week at um uh was that oh it's crew, yeah, a win at crew. Up yeah, at, uh, got, and then he got the, the one against Preston, the consolation, I think he got five in his first three. They were his first three games, he got five goals. 
really made Watch, an impact. That the video is interesting because I mean, you know, remember him, um, but you don't appreciate how powerful and, and you know the power of his headers into the internet. I mean, they were bullet headers. I've written bullet yeah. on my notes here. Very yeah. powerful strike. I wrote that down in my notes. I wrote Danny Dicko can really head a bullet. <laughs> <laughs> but he was given like servers. You know, you've got to give him the service. And, you know, it, it takes me back to the modern era, back to Matt Smith, the much maligned Matt Smith. But, you, you know, you had to give Danny Dicchio the service. He was a decent finisher of a ball as well, which probably, yeah. you know, maybe maybe Matt Smith is and maybe he isn't. I don't know. But um, I've written down here, you know, Sweeney, um, decent crossing from Sweeney and Eiffel. These were decent crosses of the ball. And get, serve up yeah. Danny Dicchio. He would do you a job. Um, so, no. Um, yeah. Wonderful to see the old ground. I mean, um, you know, pressed it away 2-1. Then we see Rotherham. um, That was a home game. So we we played at Millmore earlier on in the season. That was a home win there, 2-1. Harris and Kay, a late goal, because I think they got themselves back into it. Um, Yeah, that's it. um, It was a a 90-minute penalty for Rotherham. We were leading early. Neil Harris goal, I see here. And 90th-minute penalty which was gutting. I mean, to, to give up points against a team like Rotherham is always a, you know, it, it hurts, doesn't it? And they got a penalty and scored. And then we went down the other end and, and Tim Cahill got a, a, even late, I think the last second of the game, he, he scored the winner. Wonderful den occasions. I mean, the, I think what would have grabbed James, and I don't know about you and your your youth, but it was the kind of, um, the, the fired up den, these last minute winners. We seemed to pull a lot of that kind of thing out that season. It was like a real, um, you know, momentum built, didn't it? We had late late drama in, a lot in those games. Wonderful times. Yeah, it really did. It did. I remember, yeah, that, I think that's part of why I liked it so much, especially at kind of my age where we stood, we sat behind the goal and uh, in the Colpo lane with my dad. And yeah, it just seemed to be, like you say, momentum building. I think from that run, from from the Walsall game, we, we lost one game in, I think, 13 in the league. And I think it yeah. just like, 16 if you count the cup as well so like that's just such a good run to go on for Millwall and uh like you said it was always a bit of drama in the game we weren't brushing sides of side it was always like a 2-1 or 1-0 something like that but it's always that bit of tension in the air and the goals bring such relief and uh, yeah yeah decent so you know we, we start to get decent um run in the league going and and they're very that the FA Cup was actually quiet, really. I mean, we beat Walsall. No great clue that anything yeah. dramatic was going to happen. Then we've gone to Telford United, which was a um, fantastic pitch. I don't know if you saw that in the video. It was like uh, playing in a, yeah. a a car park somewhere. <laughs> it's like, yeah. like, like you set up a game in, um, in Sainsbury's car park and there's just a bit of grass here and there, you know. Um, Two-nil win at Telford. And then a game where maybe I think um, we, we, yeah, everyone's ears started to prick up was a home win against Burnley. One nil because that was that was a, a Dicchio goal. Seventy minutes, I see. I'm just trying to. Was, was that a header from from Daniel Dicchio? Yeah, it was an absolute bullet header. I think it was is it either um, Eiffel or Sweeney who whipped it in. But it yeah. was a trademark bullet header. Is for me, it was one of the goals of the run. It was uh, wonderful. Excellent. In front of just ten thousand at the den, I think Burnley. That wasn't the Burnley of the modern era. They were just the an average, I think they were a, a, a second tier side like us. So we, we got ourselves into the quarterfinals at that stage, uh, and we'll come on to the, the uh, onto that shortly. But we've gone away, we've gone. Oh, we've beaten Preston away, beat Rotherham. We've got good league form going. We've got um, a win over Burnley in the league, so we're now fifth on the fringes of, of the playoffs at this point. 
and we threw ourselves into it. I think it's games we went up. At that point, we did. Yeah, the the, the, the league and and the, the the cup. I don't know if we really thought of it as a cup run yet. I I, I think it was more about the league at that point, and I think there was a sense that the yeah. league was where where it was at, which is the correct mode of thinking. Um, but then we got ourselves into a quarter final. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are listening to Achten Uh In March, March the 7th, Tranmere at home. And I think we missed the penalty in that one, if, if yeah. memory serves. Um, missed it. I think yeah, we had... Um, it was actually a very good save from the keeper. He kind of went straight down the middle Safe. of the keeper. I don't know if it was a trailing leg or arm. I remember that. It was absolutely gutted. But we'd had problems with penalties all season, I think. I think yeah, Kale we struggled. Missed, Harris had all missed penalties. And so yeah, I think I mean, in, the, in the ground at the time when Muscat stepped up for it, everyone was a bit like, oh, God. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it's, I, I got that far on the video and then, then we put the call together, so I didn't continue. I'm going purely on memory now, listeners. But I remember... Um, I remember being disappointed after the nil-nil um, draw at home to Tranmere for that because it felt like with that missed penalty or save penalty, the, the moment had gone. That was the end of the cup run. But I, I, I was taking great consolation yeah, by the really fact good. that we're doing well in the league, the sixth spot um, with a, a three-one win at Ipswich that I went to. Great day out there. Um, we, uh, goals by Neil Harris start to score now, and and, and Darren Ward. Incidentally, Ryan, I think you've got to take your hat off and acknowledge the courage of Darren Ward, uh, any man that will wear an Alice band in South Bermondsey, re- repeatedly wear an Alice band, and he went in for a kind of really weird mullet hairdo. I, I, I don't yeah, know where, Alice band for the mullet was... Uh... Where he's getting his hair cut or what, what, what his instructions were to his barber, but blimey, um, I think that was raw courage, wearing that <laughs> in the den. I think you know, you've got to take your hat off to that. Yeah, I think, I think he went on to win Player of the Year that season as well, so he must have been 
defended so well that people just looked straight past the awful, awful haircuts. You can be forgiven a lot. You can be forgiven a lot if you perform on the pitch. You can wear what you like down there. Um, very, very solid, solid central defender, Darren Ward. And um, again, this this was probably one of his season mirrors in his in his pomp at Millwall. Um, and then we come on to, um, where are we? Where are we? I've lost my place. I'm looking at uh, Tranmere, aren't we? We, um, we go to Tranmere after Ipswich and pull off a 2-1 win. Um, and I think probably at that point, that was the semi-finals, at that point, um, suddenly I think there, there's a, there was a real sense of league and cup run going hand in hand and slightly feeding each other at that point. Yeah, um, I, think, I think at that point, because like you said before, when we drew, it did feel like a chance gone because uh, I think yeah. we, it, I think we uh, Tamiya were better than everyone was expecting, but they had the whole reputation for putting together good cup runs. I remember the kind of conversation Join about killers. the game. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the conversation about the game was all about Tramia doing the run rather than Millwall. So yeah. uh, I think to go to, to Tramia away and win, it it kind of, it didn't shock, and, not shock people is probably the wrong word, but people I don't think were expecting for it to be Millwall coming into the semi-final. No, uh, no. But what's interesting, I think, at this point, obviously we drew Sunderland in the semi-final. I'm just looking at the results after the the win over Tranmere. They're still, the the, the league form is still not being blighted by the cup because um, as as we followed Tranmere, I mean, this was, talk about a golden age to be a Millwall fan. You you beat uh, Ipswich 3-1 away. We've we've gone to the semi-finals of the FA Cup with a win away at Tranmere. And then we've got West Ham at home, which was the famous, famous Mother's Day massacre. On the 21st yeah. of March, um, yeah. I could I could watch that clip, and they, they put it out on the, the club social media. I don't know if you saw it recently, Ryan. I could watch that clip over and over and over again. It's just a wonderful, wonderful sequence of events. The the, the four one win over over West Ham. Yeah. Were you there? I, can you remember it? Yeah, I was there. I can remember that. I think that's probably my favourite Millwall game of all time. I just remember it. That being. I think that was pro- properly, properly the game where I just hooked from that point on because it was such a big occasion. I think we leapfrogged them as well to go into the playoffs in fifth. When, when, yeah. But I just remember the game just absolutely breezing past them. All of the goals, I remember it so vividly. And like you say, I can watch the highlights of that game over and over again. And you forget, we, we missed the penalty. Neil Harris missed the penalty. Um, it's still missed two, there. didn't we? Because Cahill missed one, miss one later. Worst um, penalty of all time. But, you know, it was, it was a little bit, um, I don't know about touch and go, but until Christian Daly put that goal away so brilliantly uh, <laughs> from the cross from Paul uh, Eiffel, it was a little bit touch and go at that point. But no, it's just wonderful. I mean, halcyon days, um, I, I, I could watch it over and over. But I, um, I remember the second half where it did just seem at a point, I think towards obviously before the red card for uh, Bywater, it did just seem that we were going to score every time we went forward. And I think well, they went into total collapse, didn't they? Um, they really did. They, I think when we went, obviously, Herwood got one back. And I think when, when we made it three, we just started. They just completely fell apart. And, uh, I mean, Cahill's, both of Cahill's goals were absolutely top class. The volley from the corner, from Eiffel's corner, is just such a well-taken goal. It just had so many... So many ingredients to the day. I mean, they had the um, the away end, obviously, and they had the lower tier, but they were allowed to go in the lower yeah. tier. And they had this kind of um, orange netting that you get on building sites to kind of cut, section off areas. It's like an orange plastic netting that they yeah. and that they had that over the front rows to stop them from charging, you know, and the Millwall fans, uh, or vice versa, I suppose, really. Um, 
but no, there was there was they, they, they were getting uh, fractious, and Ron bloke got, got and tried to jump it, and got stuck in there, and he got, got you know kind of rolling around in the in the orange netting, and they were conceding goals. They're trying to chuck um, coins. Wise, I remember collecting the coins and thank you, bus fare home type of thing. You know, um, wonderful day. I mean, yeah. I, I, I I sometimes think that was the um, Almost the pinnacle of being a Millwall fan in some ways, but um, if finished four one, should have been six or seven one. I yeah, think. it really should have been. I remember as well the uh, when I was watching the the highlights on on the season review of uh, they they included in the clip which normally gets cut out of Kim, Tim Cahill sitting on the football before yeah. the before the penalty, and I when saw the goalkeeper that was I, sent off. Yeah, it came it came flooding <laughs> back because I remember it being such a faff to get the goalkeeper on. The subkeeper before the penalty and Cahill just being sat on the football for ages. And he was just sat there for ages waiting for this to happen to then step up and just slice it. Well, then he put it in rows, row, row, well, he actually missed rows there. He kind of got it out and <laughs> yeah. sent it down the road, down towards the um, the Hillsong Congregational Church over in the back of the car park. You hit that with the ball, you know. <laughs> Yeah, um, I remember. That. I had it on video as well. I think we got it later on the season. The hammered video VHS. Hammered. <laughs> you can watch it over and over, mate. It's wonderful stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what's interesting, though, I mean, we've we beat West Ham four-one. That's that's put us um, seventh. We then go fifth with win at Wimbledon, a, a rare win at Wimbledon. That would have been at Selhurst Park, I suppose, back then, um, and, a, and a draw at Walsall, um, leaving us fifth in the in the league table. So yeah. the playoffs are looking real prospects at that point. And we go to Sunderland for the semi-final, which was another... Um, many people called it our real cup final. I, I, like I said, I don't quite buy that because for me, the cup final was our real cup final. But it was a wonderful day, nevertheless. I I actually lost my voice after this, Ryan. I, 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 um, I couldn't speak. I, I got home. I took my, my, my partner's boy up there, James. We stayed overnight and went to the game, got, got home next day, and I couldn't talk. I actually couldn't speak for about two days. I think the, my voice came back on the Monday when I went back to work. Um, we, uh, we were on holiday, actually, at the time, because I think it was around the Easter break. So yeah. we, were, we were on holiday in, I think, in Corfu or somewhere. And uh, we found a, a tiny bar, and I remember, and we were the only Millwall fans, and it was packed full of Sunderland fans. <laughs> the entire bar, and we were the only ones, me and my dad, in in um in our Millwall shirts. And they were they were all really friendly, to be fair. Like there was no yeah yeah tension about. I mean, I suppose it's a, a dad and his seven or eight year old yeah. kid. And it was yeah. the day after my birthday, the game, and uh, yeah, just be. I remember I was really annoyed when. We we knew I think we'd had the holiday booked before we got the draw. Mum yeah. unfortunately didn't schedule it around the FA Cup run. Um, that's bad. That's, that's it poor. is poor. <laughs> she should have seen it coming. Um, but yeah, I just remember, and like you say, people do say that was our cup final, and I remember celebrating kind of drawing Sunderland because obviously they were kind of similar level to us, and the other the option was well, Arsenal. That was Arsenal or Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. So when it was Arsenal Man United, and it got to Millwall Sunderland, we knew. Obviously, one of these teams is going to be in the final, and it was such an opportunity for both sides. Massive, massive, massive and, uh, chance. Oh, well, I was looking at my research as well that Sunderland were actually the last side before Millwall in a um, cup final outside the top division in '92. Yes, so that, yeah, yeah, yeah. Back again as a team outside the top division, but that's just crazy. I think for Millwall at the time, there's only been one since as well outside the top division to make it to a cup final. It was and a wonderful was, day, wonderful yeah. day, full of Oh four, oh four, oh four, fourth of April two thousand and four, Old Trafford. I will never forget this day because um, 
for many, many, many reasons. Um, but one of them was the, um, the the fact that after the game, when, when we'd finally um, we'd won it, um, I hadn't quite clocked this, but a mate of mine rang me. I couldn't talk because my voice was now going, you know, for having bellowed and shouted for 90 minutes. But I, I, I didn't click that. It meant we were in Europe. We, we qualified for yeah. Europe. <laughs> that, that, that was a brilliant. That's a brilliant. I think they've, they've scrapped that rule now, haven't they, with the FA Cup? Yeah, they've scrapped it's it. Such I've, a shame. I think it's called the Millwall rule because you get get teams like Millwall getting through to Europe. That would be such a great novelty. I know nowadays it's normally the big teams that get it, but like even what a few years ago, Palace got to the the cup final against United. They would have qualified. I know not many teams outside the top division kind of get there anymore. But that was such a good stroke to have Millwall qualify for Europe. They take all the fun out of the game, right? I know. the man takes the fun out of the game. What a lovely wild card. But no, I hadn't absorbed that. Mate, Chris rang me on the, I was walking out and, you know, delirious and took the call and he said, you know, you've well done, made a cup final. I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you made Europe. I said, what? I suppose, of course, because it meant Arsenal and Manchester United were in the, in the top four. So it meant that we qualified for <laughs> Europe. Oh dear, what a, what a day. Um, but it had its cost because Kevin Musket was injured. Um, mm. uh, 42nd minute, I see he left the game and... Uh, we were ahead through that wonderful Tim Cahill goal. Uh, again, that's a goal that I can watch over and over. The the break yeah. falls from, from Paul Ifill, the save shot, and then the, the volley in from the edge of the penalty area. It's iconic, isn't it? You can see yeah. it over and over. It really um, is just the, the whipping the shirt off and the lap of the pitch. I didn't realise that the, I, I was watching a video, I think, the other day um, about Tim Cahill, and it was it, it running to his dad and his brother right in the crowd, yeah. jumping in and celebrating them. But just, yeah, that whole moment, you can see, you can see it on uh, everyone's face in the stadium. Oh, I mean, he spoke, he spoke about, I mean, the, the gamble the family took to send him over from Australia with, um, you know, um, I don't think they were particularly well off out there. They, they sent sent him over here to try and make it. And, you know, you, you football's full of these stories, I know, but I, I sometimes think that must have seemed like the pinnacle. I mean, the, this gamble, this huge family investment in, in the boy to come over here and then, there is, he's put his team in the FA Cup final. It must have seemed like it had all come together in that one moment of joy. It's, it's wonderful stuff. Yeah. Um, I think that was, uh, said it, I think him and his dad, I think in the thing I was watching, had both said it was like his proudest moment, especially. And like you say, to, to move to the other side of the world where yeah. you kind of half know one or two people, maybe, or not him, even his dad maybe knew him. To then, uh, yeah. 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 To, to work his way through to like maybe. He wanted to go home at one point, but worked his way through to like how many times we had home homegrown product from Australia, you know. That, uh, yeah, yeah. No, we had some good links back then. Yeah, and to to like you say to have it all kind of build to that point to getting that goal to be in, you know, he's the crowd favourite and uh, obviously best player in the side to get that goal. It had to be it had to be him really on that occasion, and uh, yeah, fully deserved. Yeah, so we make the cup final um, start of April, but I think at this point is where the cup run, the, the, the chance of playing in the cup final, um, it, it did impact the league form. When you look at the results after that, I, I don't think anyone can hide from that. We've got some real poor results in the league. Given that we were sitting fifth um, and, you know, you can't get past the chance of playoff football and, and, and the Premier League, um, what that would have done for the club. So is, there's a slightly sour quality I think for me I don't know if you'd agree with that Ryan with that, that last month where you know we're getting spanked at, at Coventry I see 4-0 um, you know draws when we once would have been winning but draws to West Brom Forest 
getting yeah. beat by Watford at home. Yeah, so, I think there were some, like you say, some really, really bad results. And it did, it did um, I don't know, it did kind of start to take the shine off a little bit towards the end. But obviously, oh, not not too much because you've still got that FA Cup final. You've got a Cup final. Everyone yeah, became so deluded by the Cup final. It was, it was well, all about that, all conversations. Everything stopped, you know, three three straight defeats there. Watford 2-1, uh, loss at, these are both home losses, 2-1, 1-0 to Reading. Uh, and then 2-0 at Derby, and we've, we've beat Bradford on the last day, but I think at that point we are sitting 10th in the table. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we're off to the cup final. What's your memories of the cup final, Ryan? What can you remember today? Well, we, we obviously, me and my dad went, got the coach down, and uh, my dad's mate gave him a ring at one point, gave him a call, and uh, I can't remember, I can't remember where. It was all a bit of a blur, but he... We went to a hotel that his friend was at, and he said there was a load of ex-Millwall players there. Right. And, uh, it was Sheringham and Keith Stevens and wow. Brian wow. Horn and um, Terry Herlock, just all in this hotel. Right. And so got to meet that's, them. That's, that's called a piss up. That's called a piss yeah, up. Yeah, I think that's what it's called. I think it was. I think it was still early, so I think they may be maybe so Sharon or somebody had some sort of media duties, or if they were just being ambassadors. So I think they were the best behaviour at that point. But it was great, yeah. So before the cup, we obviously get there quite early and uh, had that going on, which was great to meet all these players, um, especially the, the, the my dad loved and always told me about. And then the day itself, I just remember it was just massive for me yeah. at the time. The, the scale of it, it was, you know, the biggest football game I've ever been to. It had a really good view. I really liked the stadium, actually, the Millennium Stadium. Well, it's so, funny. Uh, I, I like I like Cardiff Stadium. I still like Cardiff. I, 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 I wish... I wish they played the semi-finals there. I did something other than Wembley for, you know, the old days used to play semis in a neutral venue. But I'd just love to see the Millennium Stadium used more often because I thought it was a wonderful venue. Yeah. I, I really liked it in, in it Cardiff City Centre. Nice place, nice city. Um, and I, you know, it was a wonderful day, a beautiful sun. Um, we stayed over. I think we stayed in Merva Tidville, which was like a god awful place in the in the valleys of. Um, yeah. I've never seen so many. Pit, pit, so many there on Friday. I was there with my my, my stepson, so to, so to speak, and that before. And I've never seen so many pissed people in such a short space of ground. <laughs> it was Friday night in Merva. Seems to be about getting yourself blasted out your head, basically. But anyway, we stayed there in the travel lodge and came down on the morning. Um, beautiful sunny day for the Welsh countryside to get to Cardiff. And then, as you say, yeah, it, was, it, was. it was a huge, huge event. 71,350 in the Millennium Stadium for that that game. Um, there, was, there was a slight sense of um, unreality about it, I think, having the teams come out, Manchester United as the opponents, Sir Alex Ferguson and all that came with that. But what an almighty yeah, noise from the, from the Millwall fans that day. It's... It was really odd as well at the time because I feel like for everyone else, I feel like it's a, whenever I've spoken to anyone about it in like later life, especially with mm. like non-Millwall people, they all yeah. kind of don't remember because I, for obviously for me and for Millwall fans, it's such a big occasion, one of the biggest games in Millwall's history that, yeah. you know, I was at and it was when I was growing up and it was at this time with all these players. And I speak to people and they go, like, you remind it. And they go, oh, yeah. Because I think for the rest of the world, it was just, well, Man United have won that then. And yeah. obviously, they end up, so it was a bit of a, a dud final for everyone else. But it's just the, the importance of it for, for Millwall Football Club. And to have that going on at a time where, you know, I was going every week with my dad. It was just such an occasion. And it was just this mass spectacle that just couldn't be rivaled, really. Obviously, you get the playoff success kind of later on when I'm a bit older. 
But at this point, you know, I know I'm going to the Den, which isn't the most glamorous of grounds anyway. It's a really, really good atmosphere, but uh, it's not the most glamorous. Then so go into this mad spectacle and occasion. Yeah, I mean, it's an international quality stadium. Um, I, I think what struck me, and I remember being slightly saddened by it, because it was probably the start of the the decline of the FA Cup in some ways, because I think from the Manchester United fans' point of view, it was just an FA Cup final. Um, it was. It struck me how many of them didn't arrive in their seats until just before kickoff, like it was a game, like a regular uh, league match. You know, the, the middle end was packed from about two o'clock onwards. I think people were just yeah, in there drink, drinking, drinking the in the atmosphere. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what the FA Cup traditionally was. And I think probably it was the start of the the rather jaded modern era. Whether, whether it'll ever come back, I don't know. Possibly not. But um, from the United point of view, I think it was just, uh, like you said, it was like a workout game. You know, they should be able to beat this, this second-tier side. And so they did when they turned on the the evident um, class, world-class that they, they had. Um, but I just remember being struck by the fact that United fans didn't turn up in their seats until very shortly before kickoff, you know, as we were there for the abide with me and the national anthem and all the, all the rest of it, you know, but, um, wonderful day. The, the, the noise from the Millwall support that day was immense. I, I have one memory of, well, I have two memories. One was a, the excellent stewards that Cardiff had. They were, I think they were members of the local rugby team because one guy tried to chin Cristiano Ronaldo as he ran past celebrating the goal. Someone tried to get on the pitch and actually like land a right hook on him to, uh, take his front teeth out. And just before the guy get, got near him, a, a steward rugby tackled him, put him on the ground. So, <laughs> a scandal, darkness and disgrace was averted by this swift rugby tackle, this this steward. So um, I think we should probably thank him for that. Although might nice. right. no, yeah, that might not have done the reputation too good. Well, well yeah, that's right. We're just rebuilding our reputation after the riot a couple of years ago. Um, but no, that that would have been, um, you know, that would have been one moment. But the other was the, the immense... Um, you know, monk chant that took place for practically the whole of the second half. I don't know if you remember that being young, yeah, but I it just seemed annoyed. to go on and on. It didn't stop. And I, I'm sure I've, I've never really watched the highlights again, but I'm sure that United scored their second or their third goal in the midst of this immense noise. And it's like nothing had happened. There's just a yeah, goal. I, remember, you know, I do that. I do remember that happening actually. And uh, I just remember the, the noise of the whole game because uh, it was, it was so kind of overwhelming and, I remember, but, you know, yeah. before, but after the game as well for, for so long must be the longest I've stayed in a stadium after a game just singing with like all the fans like no one really had any intention of leaving until they had to it was uh, and that was even after you know we lost and you had that but you could see kind of what it meant to everyone to be there there's a wonderful if I uh, when I do the the uh, show notes for this 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 piece I'll find an article I don't know if it's still online but it's, I'm sure it's the Daily Telegraph or the Daily Mail journalist described it as, as this immense roar kind of primeval noise that filled the sounds you know the stadium and the senses and um, I think even Alex Ferguson had to acknowledge that this was this was the real deal in terms of support rather than the prawn sandwich brigade that um, sadly infest the modern game. Um, but no, it was it was a great day out, um, and in the end, you know, it wasn't wasn't to be. But uh, there we are. We can say we went to the cup final. We played in Europe. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and Palace never have. But that's the thing. So I remember at the time as well that well, all my fan, my fans, my friends growing up were your fans. Lot, the fans. Yeah. <laughs> no, I had a lot of growing up. They lost, they lost got lost them along the way. But no, my my friends growing up, they uh, 
I was one of the few that went to live football pretty much every week or every other week. Yeah. I was. I had one friend who was a Palace fan who went pretty much um, every other week with his dad as well. But a lot of them, you know, especially like growing up in London, you get a lot of United fans, Arsenal fans, things like that. But people who just never... TV fans, basically. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Even back then, and it's it's odd because you go to to football. Whenever I used to go to football training, like I was the only one in a Millwall shirt. I was yeah. uh, always just known as Millwall. A lot of the like football trainers I would go to if it was with new people because I'd be the only one in a Millwall kit. Yeah. And uh, to have that this kind of run around it and like to really kind of wear my Millwall shirt with pride at football training and going to school kind of the next day being like, oh yeah, we're in the cup final. Like going to all my Arsenal fan mates being like, oh, you didn't make the cup final in the end, did you? Oh, it's a shame. Things like that. And it's just, it was such an odd time of pride for me. For, uh, for, yeah. for someone who supported the real football team and would go to the games but would people would still be maybe like oh the mill were rubbish things like that especially at that age you know the sort of insults you're throwing around but uh yeah it was such an odd time for me to be in such a position of power <laughs> I, uh, there was a surreal moment before the cup final um happened i mean, this would be like in the, in the intervening period between the semi-final and the a cup final I was, I was working over in pimlico and i was driving through the the big um Vauxhall, um interchange one-way system there going around the you have to go around the back of the, of the railway station and come over the bridge and there's a huge great billboard with um advertising the bbc's coverage of the fa cup final and this huge uh photo of dennis wise in a Millwall shirt alongside um i think it was roy Keane. it was like wise versus Keane, um and this billboard advertising a Millwall match that was one of the most surreal sights because you know you don't see Millwall shirts or of players on this kind of grand scale normally. And there it was as the traffic was buzzing around the Vauxhall system there. And there was Dennis Wise up on this huge advert. Um, very strange. And the, the amount of world attention that it, the games on that draw, I think it's always interesting to see how much media attention these, these, these uh, games get, but there it is. Um, it will be remiss of me if I don't acknowledge the 2003, four season, which was, you know, a glory season in some ways, the season that exists in our memory. But I'm just looking at some of the players that we had in the team that season. And Jesus Christ, Ryan, we had some turkeys in that team, in that squad <laughs> over yeah. the course of the season. And I just want to pick out a few. You may not remember some of these, so I'm not I'm not bouncing you with these. But um, I've just seen Juan, who uh, I was, played... I saw that. I was looking him up. <laughs> I saw one thing, that's one page that said he was a defender and one said he was an attacking midfielder and winger. Yeah, I'm not, really not sure. He, he, he was he was a Brazilian, uh, and he um, yeah. came to us. Um, squad number forty-two. He played three games, three appearances, um, no goals. Um, substitute. Uh, he must have started one. No, he must have started three times. He's got one substitute appearance and one non-playing sub. Um, he played for the Brazilian national team after he left us. <laughs> Well, was, he, like, was he online from Arsenal, was it? Very... Yeah, I, I mean, he made no yeah. impact. No impact. I can barely remember him, other than the fact he was a Brazilian, and we don't have too many Brazilians playing at the den. He must be uh, the only one who's played for Millwall, surely. Is there another one? I can't think of many, uh, any. Um, might be one for the listeners. I can't think of any. But he actually, after he left us, he, he must have gone back to the Arsenal system. and then, I don't know where he went, maybe abroad. But he actually finished up playing for the Brazilian national team um, later, not not now. You never would have said there was a, t- a player that would have made the uh, the, the national side uh, for Brazil, but there we are. Um, 
we've got some other. I just want to pick out one or two others here. I mean, Bob Peters, we've, we've mentioned him already. Uh, Mark McCammon, I mean, really, I mean, <laughs> we took him to the cup final. We had to take him to the cup final. I think he was done for knife crime or something like that after, after Millwall. <laughs> um, I was, I was Moses Ashi Cody was another. He, he was a member of the squad. He didn't didn't take uh, take the field that season. Um, one last player before we close out. I just want to mention um, Musket. We've mentioned. Um, but I wanted to mention um, Mo, uh, Abu Fafana. I used to quite like because he was very, very fast, mm. and he'd come to us from Juventus. I think. <laughs> I mean, wow. come from Juventus. He comes to Mill from Juventus, and he he did. He was his pace was incredible. I mean, I yeah, think I he was like a sprinter. Being exciting, whether or not exciting. he exciting. Uh, if only he could take the ball with him. His ball control was awful. But he was very, very quick. He's a bit like Usain Bolt on the wing, but you know, with the same um, ball playing ability as Usain may have may have, may have had. Um, that. I just looked him up on Wikipedia, and other than the 16 games for Millwall on his club list, all the others are question marks. Appearance of <laughs> <his> goals. <laughs> very little known about him. Yeah, but he was so fast. Known, but played 16 believe. times for Millwall as well. How quick so he was! Great. I mean, I remember seeing his, you know, Rick Rory pace on the left side, but he, he just didn't take the ball with him, as I say. There we are. I did, um, I did like uh, Marvin Elliott as well. I think starting to play in that that season. I think covering from injuries. Elliott to come in. Yeah, he'd uh, move on. I think he played in the European excursion the following season, but then he moved yeah. on to to Bristol. Um, but it's a strange, it's a strange hodgepodge of a season in many ways. Lots, lots of players, lots of in different games. <clears throat> illuminated by these moments of utter, utter um, ecstasy and glory, um, yeah. like the old, like the old Paramount lady with the torch at the start of the films, you know, a lot of, lot of dross, and then suddenly there's these moments of uh, life changing events. Um, it's a there we are. One because, uh, I think looking through it, we 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 ended with no one getting more than ten goals in the season in, in the league. No, which is odd. It's, it's odd. One of those where which something was just lacking. I'm looking at the end table now. We're four points off the playoffs, and that that last run of form it must have been a double-edged sword of the cup final. Because I mean, like you said, the form was so bad, losing to some teams right near the relegation zone. You know, at home as well, and it's kind of what might have been had their focus been a bit more. But you wouldn't really want to take away the FA Cup final either. No, I mean, the laugh of it was, I mean, we, we did get injuries. We did lose players in the cup final, but I think a lot of those games were blighted by players trying not to get injured. Maybe that's saying you get, when you do get injured is when you're trying not to, not to, you know. Um, yeah. But there there we are. So that was that was a slightly unforgivable end, given the uh, what was on the table potentially for us. But hey, there we are. We can say we went to a cup final and not many people can say that. So exactly. as you say, right, we finished 10th in the table and that was that. That's wonderful stuff, Ryan. Um, I must super... have to, just before we finish next, well, cool. shout, out the, shout out the kits for that season. You like the kit? The, the, the two, I mean, again, at the time, but the kits are, the away kit, the green and white striped away kit is my favourite Millwall shirt of all time. Made and out of plastic. I still have it. Yeah, Shiny made plastic. Out, I still have one to this day. <laughs> you got one, I think it's my you? dad's one, and I wear it <laughs> at every opportunity. And my girlfriend and my family and most of my friends hate it. But it's my favourite. It's got the long early 2000s sleeves on it still. It's shiny as anything to this day. It's uh, I, it's an absolute beauty. 
I'd like to stick that on Prince Andrew, see if that makes him sweat. Nothing else <laughs> seems to make him sweat. I think that shirt would have done if you get it on him. Yeah. The, oh, the mate. difference I mean, in quality of material of that shirt and modern football shirts is just a world of Green and white part. stripes. There's one, there's one away game. I don't know where it was. Um, we're wearing that kit and the, the, the floodlights just seem to shine on it. I mean, all you can see is shine, you know, <laughs> oh. of this of this wonderful, wonderful shirt. Um, awful. Ryman-sponsored um, kit. I mean, I... I I didn't really take to the whole kit. I mean, I suppose if it hadn't been a cup final run, I would have said it was one of, amongst one of our worst shirts um, really ever in, in many ways. I didn't. It looked rather, you know, the blue and white didn't really grab me. But um, And we got like a very dull green away kit. So wonderful, yeah, wonderful just those, those selection. Those I think stuck with me. The home one was, uh, yeah, like you say, take or leave that. The, 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 the stripes are just iconic. And you've still got it. That's wonderful stuff. We'll have yeah. to get a bit... Get a picture of that shirt sometime. We'll, get, we'll do that for a charity or something. Get a picture of you in that shirt, but not now. Not now. Not right now. There we are. That's the 2003 season cup final, Mother's Day massacre, uh, and obviously um, the, the, the stripy plastic shirt. <laughs> Big thank you to Ryan Loftus for doing that. Well done, Ryan. Well remembered. That's 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 tough when you when you're that young to really take a considered view of a season. Um, you know. Well, I think you... it, it sticks with me. Like I say, it's uh, I did luckily having that that uh, that video on on YouTube, and I would urge anyone to go and watch it. It's good if you've got an hour, just uh, the full season highlights. It's always it's always nice to take a trip down memory lane. But, uh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, well, thank you very much, Ryan Loftus. There we are. That's the 2003-04 season. If anyone out there is interested in doing something like this, memories are always good. Uh, we've got a lot of time on our hands collectively at the moment. So, as we said at the start of the show, nostalgia is all we've got to look forward to at the moment. So, get in touch. Millwall at gmail.com uh, or on the Twitter feed at CBL underscore magazine. Get in touch. Love to hear from you. Or if you're all else fails, <clears throat> leave us a voicemail message on... 0208-144-0232 be great to get some voicemails from you big thank you Ryan and Arriva Dirty Mill nice one Ryan yes Millwall and the Real Millwall Fan Show are the number one Millwall podcast and we want to hear from you. So get in touch with us. Let us know your thoughts, your views, your rants about all things Millwall. We've got email, actonmillwall at gmail.com all one word, actonmillwall at gmail.com You can get in touch with us and leave us a voicemail on 0208 144 0232 That's 0208 144 0232 leave us a voicemail no human will be involved in the receipt of your message so give us a shout tell us what you think about all things Millwall and the best messages will be read out on air
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.